Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. And welcome to Inside Towers. Uh, this is our weekend review recap of this past week we just had before us that started Monday on the 14th of June and concludes Friday the 18th. With me is our Washington Bureau Chief, Leslie Stimson. Hello, Leslie. Good morning, Jim. And uh, let's just jump right into it. There's never a dull moment in our industry, as we all know. Um, What happened Monday? Well, on Monday, the industry showed consensus on open RAN. That's according to our new technology editor, Sharp Smith. The industry showed that consensus in comments filed by the Open RAN Policy Coalition. They were responding to uh, an FCC notice of inquiry. The NOI was called Promoting the Deployment of 5G Open Radio Access Networks. It examines the potential of open and virtualized RAN in securing the nation's communication supply chain. Um, This is according to a notice in the Federal Register. Through the NOI, the FCC is looking for input on whether it should implement policy to accelerate the development, deployment, testing, or integration of open RAN. Also on Monday, I had a story related to alerting. The FCC made it official that a joint WEA slash EAS nationwide test is going to happen this summer. That was planned for last year, but the um, pandemic scuttled those plans. The Federal Emergency Management Agency plans a simultaneous nationwide test of the wireless emergency alert system, WEA, and the broadcast emergency alert system, EAS, this summer. And the test date is August 11th. So this is the first nationwide joint alerting test since 2018. Hmm. The test message will clearly state that this is only a test. Uh, FEMA, in coordination with the FCC, will initiate the WEA portion of the test using um, a new test category for the first time. It's going to be called the state-slash-local WEA test. Only those subscribers who have opted in to receive WEA test messages will actually get the alerts. So this will be just in time for the wildfire and the uh, hurricane season coming up, I guess. Exactly. And then on Tuesday, uh, I had a story in our new Inside Towers Intelligence publication. This is a new quarterly market report. It takes a deep dive into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. So the story is about rip and replace. Telecom equipment manufacturers and wireless service providers um, want rip and replace to start. They wanted it to start like yesterday. Um, At the same time, they're asking the FCC that the reimbursement process be settled as soon as possible. The program is supposed to compensate smaller carriers for removing untrusted gear from their networks. Essentially, you have to build a new network, remove gear from the old network all at the same time. Public comments were due in late April for the initial comments were due in late April on the initial supply chain reimbursement 
program. Um, it's actually a report done by Widelity. Widelity was the same company that did similar reimbursement report for the television repack. It includes a list of categories of suggested replacement equipment and services. And it's uh, the rip and replace program. Congress is funding it with nearly $2 billion. The program is intended for WSPs with 10 million or fewer subscribers. In its report, Widelity focused on the removal, replacement, and disposal of communications equipment and services produced or provided by Chinese manufacturers Huawei and ZTE. On Tuesday, there's things happening over in Europe, and we like to report on international news as well as what's happening in the certainly in the U.S. And very active over there in the over in, in Europe, and, and particularly in the U.K., where there was a 20 million pound sterling or 28.2 million dollar uh, 5G factory of the future that was set up and will soon be completed at the University of Sheffield. I can't say that without affecting an English accent. Uh, at their Advanced Manufacturing Research Center in Lancashire, the project will be an industrial test bed to help manufacturers understand how 5G technology can reduce defects and waste through real-time monitoring and enhance the use of machines and save energy. So um, while companies know the, the benefits of 5G, uh, the reality of integrating it in manufacturing process is still a long way off for, for most firms. So this uh, test bed, this, this 5G factory is uh, working toward um, closing that gap. On Wednesday, there was a, uh, there, and this has been an ongoing issue that we've, we've reported on and covered inside towers, but the state of New York uh, was attempting to uh, put a cap on broadband prices and uh, a group of industry associations uh, got together, uh, the New York State Telecommunications Association, U.S. Telecom as well, CTIA, all came together to challenge that in court. And the court ruled in favor of the uh, associations and against the state of New York that they cannot, in effect, set broadband rates. Um, the New York state lawmakers had attempted to mandate a cost of $15 per month fee for qualified households. But District Judge uh, Dennis Hurley, uh, this was last Friday, ruled in favor of the associations uh, who brought, brought the suit. So the court document coming out of that said, and I'll quote, while a telecommunications giant like Verizon may be able to absorb such a loss, others may not. The Champlain Telephone Company, for example, estimates that nearly half, about 48% of their existing broadband customers will qualify for discounted rates. And this was the, again, this is the legal action presented by the telcos. If completed to accept minimal fees, the providers would, quote, suffer unrecoverable losses increasing with time. And the, quote, bulk of these losses will stem from lost income. So that was all in the uh, the case argument against the, uh, the state of New York, which again, which which lost the suit. On Wednesday, not to be outdone, there was some infighting in the state of Ohio, Leslie. 
Yes, there was, Jim. The Ohio Senate GOP members are proposing a budget plan that would eliminate the state's more than 30 municipal broadband programs. It would also remove $190 million in state grants that were slated to expand high-speed internet. Cleveland.com reports the Republicans slipped the language into the state budget plan at the last minute. Opponents say the proposal would cause every existing municipal broadband program to dissolve and it would prevent any new programs from starting up. Um, City Council President Kevin Kelly, he's also running for mayor of Cleveland. He said if the amendment passes, the law will be challenged in court. On Thursday, Sharp Smith wrote about the Erickson Mobility Report, which just came out. And it was uh, a very well done report. Uh, the report basically said that uh, 5G mobile subscriptions are growing at a record pace. So good news for all of us and will exceed 580 million globally by the end of 2021. And that this is being driven by an estimated 1 million new 5G mobile subscriptions every day. Uh, the forecast in, the, in this report projects 5G will be the fastest adopted mobile generation in history with 3.5 billion subscriptions and 60% population coverage by the end of 2026. Now that said, the pace of adoption varies widely by region with China, North America, and Middle East leading the way. Uh, Europe is lagging behind. Northeast Asia is expected to account for the largest share of 5G subscriptions by 2026 with an estimated 1.4 billion overall in, in subscriptions. The report said that, quote, 5G is expected to surpass a billion subscriptions two years ahead of 4G LTE timeline for the same milestone. Um, so that brings us to Thursday when our contributing analyst, Martha DeGrasse, wrote about getting smart about connected buildings. She wrote, from stadiums to hospitals to factories, demand for wireless connectivity is driving deployments of millimeter wave small cells. These radios transmit large amounts of data fast, but not far. So that makes them ideal for indoor deployments. And millimeter wave connections aren't just for humans. Texas Instrument has used the technology for building automation sensors, promoting the technology as a way to create HVAC, surveillance, and lighting systems that only power on when they're needed. Ericsson, Samsung, and AT&T are testing 5G connections in smart factories. In Los Angeles, the Ellison Institute for Transformative Medicine is using millimeter wave to connect digital monitoring bracelets worn by patients. It's also testing sound and lighting systems in the building. And at the Ellison Institute, traditional calls and text messages won't use the millimeter wave network, but patients and doctors will wear sensors that connect to it. That brings us to Friday. We led with the FCC's biggest vote on Thursday, which was uh, the commissioners voted to increase the ban against telecom equipment that has been deemed to pose a threat to our national security. Under the proposed rules that won initial approval, 
the commission could revoke prior equipment authorizations issued to such companies. So to date, the FCC has prohibited the use of support from the Universal Service Fund to buy equipment that could pose a national security threat. Under the law, this includes telecommunications gear and services from Chinese manufacturers Huawei and ZTE. Yet despite identifying these security concerns, the agency has continued to approve such gear through its equipment certification process. Uh, one of the things they decided on during the four to nothing vote was to close that loophole. And that brings us to Friday. Yes, on Friday, and once again, Sharp Smith came through with a report from the Credit Suisse conference uh, that was uh, widely attended uh, by the movers and shakers internationally. And uh, particularly uh, AT&T, Sharp uh, focused on in, in his report uh, where the their senior executive vice president and CFO, um, whose name I'll probably butcher here, Pascal de Roche, uh, said at the Credit Suisse conference that the future belongs to fiber to the home, as opposed to fixed wireless access. AT&T views fixed wireless access as, as a tool only to be used in places outside its footprint. Uh, this is according to Mr. De Roche, because of the demand for symmetrical speeds. He said that, quote, demand for excellent internet performance in the home will increase significantly. And so the only product that provides the capabilities that we're going to need going forward is fiber. And that's why we're really, really energized, his emphasis, really, really, uh, and are increasing our investment in fiber. So um, AT&T is seeing increasing momentum, obviously in, in fiber additions. Uh, in the second half of 2021, the um, AT&T expects the fiber related revenues to grow faster uh, than declines in legacy voice and copper, and that will result in revenue growth. And that wraps up for the week. So on behalf of myself, Leslie Stimson, thanks for listening and uh, hope we have another week just as active and interesting as this one. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.